Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the snack car of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who stumbled onto platform nine and three quarters and don't know how to get back. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I am joined by my co-hosts, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? Quite doing well. Fine. Good. So we are ready for chapter six of the first book of Harry Potter, and this is The Journey from Platform Nine and Three Quarters. Um, so we are mm-hmm. in transit this time. Um, so the way this works is I will do a quick recap, and I do mean quick. This should be under two minutes this time. <laughs> wow. Really? That's a lot of material to cover, and that kind of covers uh, Well, stuff, right? I cut some stuff out, and... <laughs> you are re-editing Harry Potter. It was yeah, I don't important. think it needs to be a train. It just shows up there. It's right? necessary evil, but... Um, you know, we may or may not talk about things that are missing later. I'm not sure. Um, the entire character for Mighty Granger just ceases to exist. Just gone. What train? Um, that would be a really so- funny book. I mean, it's kind of like Garfield without Garfield. Oh, yeah. Just take out main character. Yeah. Um, so we will do the recap. Then we each have um, a segment that we do. Mine is rotating. And I have a new one tonight, which is kind of exciting. And then we will, I guess, have some questions. Or I mean that BJ mm-hmm. and Spamie. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you, know, you know, if you ever if you ever have questions for us, we are happy to make up answers. Because, you know, we can do that. <laughs> Perfect. You, you also, yeah. Um, all right. So are we ready for the recap of Chapter 6? I'm sure BJ has the stopwatch in uh, hand. I'm being besmirched. Oh, that's just a regular recurrence. <laughs> Respect us, sir. I thought you'd be used to it. I still get to protest. All right, so we left off the last chapter with Harry um, going back from Diagon to the Dursleys' house from Diagon Alley, and we had some questions about that. Um, But beginning at this chapter, he wakes up um, or is at the Dursleys' house and kind of in an even more untenable situation. So Harry hides away with Hedwig the owl in his school books until it comes time to catch the train from. Wait for it. Platform nine and three quarters. The Dursleys, in another increasingly malignant act of child abuse, take him to King's Cross Station and leave him there, fully expecting him to be stranded. Indeed, Harry has a number of failed attempts trying to figure out how to get somewhere between platforms nine and ten when he hears what is clearly a mother giving marching orders to her children. Um, Harry gloms on to a very large family of redheads and is kindly informed that you just have to walk purposefully towards a brick wall to get to the station. Perfectly logical. I feel like that's very Harry. like the uh, How to Fly in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> I don't remember what happened there, but it would not surprise me. Do you throw yourself at the grounded miss. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, here you just have to not crash into a brick wall. Exactly. Um, so Harry uh, gets onto the platform. He settles himself into a car at the end of the train, and he is quickly joined by the youngest boy of the family who helped him, as well as briefly by um, that boy's twin brothers, Fred and George, who immediately Harry- notice Harry's scar and know that it is the Harry Potter. Um, the youngest son is, and I will not do wrestling intro music this time, Ronald Weasley. There is a lot of awkward 11-year-old small talk, and Harry Potter... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, about Harry Potter being Harry Potter until the snack car shows up. Ron has sad sandwiches, but Harry has money for the first time ever. So much junk food is consumed while learning about magical treats and Albus Dumbledore, who appears on a trading card. Ron pulls out the pet rat he's inherited, Scabbers. Ron claims to know a spell to turn him yellow, which he's about to try out when a very skeptical Hermione Granger shows up looking for a boy named Neville's Toad. Hermione is unimpressed with said spell. Eventually, the boy from Madame Malkin's robe shop and a couple of his cronies burst in uh, being as 
unpleasant as one might expect. Turns out he is Draco Malfoy and he is trying to offer Harry friendship, question mark. Uh, while insulting Ron, he is quickly rebuffed. Scabbers attacks, the trio leaves, everyone changes into their robes as they draw closer to Hogwarts. Hagrid meets the train and takes the first years on self-rowing boats across the lake to get their first view of the castle, and we end up at the door to Hogwarts. Very impressive. Damn, we really did do that in two minutes. Probably could have done it even faster if we didn't interrupt. <laughs> yes, but you were throwing off my time, guys. <laughs> um, it's stoppage time. It's fine. Um, <laughs> So I actually think oh it's... Oh, God, we're doing this by soccer rules? Who did? It's an English I believe thing. you mean football. Um, so <laughs> I think it's really funny that we have two stories that are kind of based around cards, collecting cards. That, yeah. Um, and I don't well know that, that we'll release these at the same time, but we were at least uh, recording these at, at similar times and uh, read them at similar times. Um, so the story that this is uh, podcast uh, adjacent to a podcast of is uh, playing nice with God's bowling ball that sort of centers around uh, collecting the fictional Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Um, I don't remember what they're actually called, but they're 100% Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> um, and yeah, and he, we have the trading cards here. Yeah, exactly. In, in the chocolate frog packages. Right. Uh, well, well, they're, they're cards off and on. I do like that the people in the cards show up for a period and then go because, of course, they can't just hang out in the card all day. <laughs> and so this is, like, very much a thing in magical pictures and portraits that they all move. And they can visit each other in different portraits um, and kind of move around. And if you have sort of yourself... It seems to me it's a little weird because I think that, like, the Albus Dumbledore that appears in the sort of mass-produced trading card is a little bit less able as one of these sort of portrait shifting figures than like an actual portrait would be but there mm -hmm. are like levels of how much you can move around and where you can go um and who you can talk to but there are a lot it's of portraits in hogwarts that all visit each other it's interesting that this is apparently so common so the norm that when harry points out this is weird that in the in muggle world we just have photographs where people just stay still ron's never even heard of that <laughs> there is um <laughs> There's a funny scene, and I don't remember which, which book it's in, but there's a funny scene because in the sort of dorm that they live in, one of the other boys uh, is also from a muggle family, and he hangs up a, a, like a muggle poster of a soccer team. And Harry catches Ron <clears throat> prodding at it with his, his wand, trying to get the figures to move, because he doesn't understand how the figures <laughs> in the poster can't move. Which, which is weird. Ron, correct me if I'm wrong, the Weasleys are coming from the muggle world. Mm -hmm. They're arriving at the platform by way of Muggle. Yep. And yet they apparently have no connection to it. It really just show how isolated some of these wizarding families can be. I feel like be. isolated and is, again, I, I feel like I'm being a little bit mean here, but I really do feel like the world outside of the story that's being told is, as I mentioned uh, before we started recording, kind of like the wizard in Wizard of Oz, where it's just like, please ignore the man behind the curtain, like, the, the functional aspects of some of these things just don't make sense, which is fine because it's a fun story. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's well, we will get into probably that. true to mm -hmm. some extent. Um, but we do see more of the interaction kind of later on, whether that's satisfying or not. Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's, let's go through <laughs> our segments. and We'll get to that in terms of newbies notes and our uh, final, you know, accost Sarah with various questions that we have. All right. Uh, BJ, you want to start um, us off? Yeah, I, I don't really have a lot. Um... For my segment, there wasn't really all that much in the way of 
puns or made-up words. There was Percy the Prefect and, and a couple of alliteration, which I'm going to continue harping on because it's just something that sort of seems to be uh, par and parcel for the course. Um, <laughs> but a couple of things that I didn't were more my shortcoming than anything else. Um, I didn't know or I'd never seen goggle used as a verb before. Oh, like to goggle at something? Right. I Like, I always heard ogle, mm-hmm. um, but not goggle mm-hmm. at something, which I thought <laughs> was kind of interesting. Um, and then ickle seems to be a thing, and the dictionary... I'm sorry, I lost track. Could you please rephrase that? Uh, no, Google. <laughs> uh, but thanks for trying to help out. What? <laughs> um, but ickle has decided that it's a word and the dictionary says that it's sticky, especially unpleasantly so. Which, for Ickle Ronikins, um, seems like an interesting thing to be, and uh, I guess for an 11-year-old boy is sort of reasonable, but that didn't seem like a real word to me and I still don't believe it's a real real word because the dictionary says that it's icky, as opposed to ickle, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's just, it doesn't understand what's going on and is just saying, this is the closest thing that I can find, and you're reading something that's originally British and they just do things weird over there or what. But um, that sort of amuses me that, that that's just sort of a thing. And I, su- I assume it's more of like an endearing term, but I have no idea. I've never encountered this before. So my understanding is that like ickle in sort of, in British, um, is um, essentially a sort of like, and I I don't know what the word is, but what it really means is sort of like little, right? Yeah. Oh, like little baby Ron, Ron. Um, not unlike the diddly duddykins or whatever we were dealing with with <laughs> right. um, with Dudley, ever. right? Yes, I, it's so a pet like name. that's my understanding of what it means. But I yeah. do feel like the dictionary deciding that that means like slightly gross and sticky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is very appropriate for the things that you would be like, oh, mm. Ickle Spencer, or something like that. <laughs> uh, one, one, of my, one of my favorite little, you know, childhood pet names was the one that my um, mom and grandma had for my sister, uh, which they called her Chiquita Macosa, because uh, come from a Hispanic family. And um, neither of us ever knew what that meant until she was like about nine or 10. Little and finally girl. looked it up in my spent, it means little snot nose. <laughs> and... Neither of us had the slightest clue until I finally looked up and I was like you know, 12 or so years old. And I just started laughing my ass <laughs> off. My sister did not talk to my mom for like two days. She was so pissed. I think it's sweet. <laughs> She's come to terms with it since. It was just more the sudden shock of, you've been calling me little snot nose around people who understood what you were saying for years and that didn't tell me. That's why That's you need more Latin in your education. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, all right. Well, shall I uh, go through my various notes that I wrote down as I was going Please. through this story? Sure, hit us with it. All right. All right. I got a few things on Newbie's notes. This was a pretty jam-packed chapter in terms of, in terms of uh, important material. Okay. I think you mean jelly uh, One of the first things that struck me was, I'm getting there. I want that candy. I want it now. <laughs> but start off with just a, a question about the difference between a book and, I was going to say show, but movies. Mm-hmm. Have seen first movie. Do not remember anywhere near this number of Weasleys. Remember it being a joke that there were Waddle Weasleys, but there seemed like there's three or four more here than I remember. Yeah, there, there are a lot kind of, of Weasleys. I, I remember the twins. Mm-hmm. I remember Ron. I remember references maybe to an older one or two, but there's like three or four that are older than the, than the twins and Ron. Yeah, so if you go from oldest to youngest, um, you have Bill Weasley, 
who is a curse breaker in Egypt right now working for Gringotts Bank. Um, you have Charlie, who is a, a studying dragons in Romania. Um, then you have Percy, who is the first one who is still back at Hogwarts, and he is a prefect, and he is un insufferable. Um, then you have Fred and George, who are twins, um, and also insufferable, but for different reasons. And then Ron, and then Jenny is the only girl, and she is still at home. So we have seven Weasleys in all. Spencer? Oh, sorry, I lost you guys for a second there. <laughs> I heard that whoop, whoop noise until I suddenly just came back in. Okay, I'm here now. I, I'm, I'm impressed, Sarah. I, I'm hoping you had some level of family tree in front of you or otherwise compliments to your memory in terms of getting all the Weasleys down. I think even the sorting hat from my room <laughs> in the movie just kind of laughs at the sheer number of Weasleys. <laughs> They're all memorable uh, in their own unique ways. Okay, we're going to get back to the whole hunting dragons in Romania thing. It's the third point I got written down here. But before we get to that, uh, the list of candy is wonderful and I want some of these things. Uh, the... Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans sound like a delightful fun time with family and friends, minus the apparently much greater risks than the FDA, I think, would have let us get away with in terms of real-world candy. I think that they're not per se dangerous, just anywhere between delicious and gross. And there are things that are like these candies, but I kind of desperately want to introduce you to Kick-Ass Jelly Bean. The next time we are all together, these. what? I don't know. These. Yeah, um, you'll find out what they are when we're <laughs> together. Um, but yeah, they're definitely like really weird flavored jelly beans. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if vomit and other types of flavors were among the flavors that are in the Muggle world. But I'm sure, I'm sure we can have an episode of of this. Uh, podcast adjacent and or within a podcast where you eat jelly beans that you like or don't and maybe have a a more in-depth review you know like scotch tasting notes of you know this this uh broccoli flavored jelly bean really you know it doesn't have as much uh of the florette on the nose as you might expect but but as you really get into it you get a little bit more of the stalk coming through and that's really nice. Mm -hmm. BJ, Sarah, if y'all want to do a tasting event of where I do bourbon, Nashville hot chicken, and jelly beans, I'm happy to amuse you. That's a heck of a trifecta, Spencer. I, I think we might need to pay <laughs> homage to a different uh, podcast at some point with a large group of us and do different hot sauces, um, to which I think oh we will God. be just about the happiest uh, clam on the planet. I, I can just see his glee just radiating out of him with that one. Um, next note I got on here, I just was really amused by the fact that Albus Dumbledore's card, the back of it apparently reads like a dating profile. <laughs> Greatest wizard, defeated the dark wizard, discovered 12 years of dragon blood, also likes chamber music and 10 pin bowling. It just, it really reads like a, like, a, like, a, like a dating profile and it just really amuses me. Well, I guess you never have any idea really who your audience for these cards will be, so might as well throw yeah, it all at the wall. Broad. At the wall, yeah. That seems uh, like a very weird... Mm -hmm. Is there some sort of cognizance of the pictures of the people that are holding them? Or is it just sort of a general, like, maybe we'll, we'll get to that in the, the Bother Sarah. But I did want to uh, remark here, and then I will bring it up again in the Bother Sarah, which is <laughs> there seem to be a lot of dark wizards that do, like, awful things on a fairly regular basis that they have to deal with. And I sort of, I, I have no idea how much this is in history, but again, 
you know, is this sort of a repeating thing, which would make sense, you know, in, in sort of a comic booky style world, which this seems mm-hmm. to sort of be. Mm-hmm. Comic booky or Hegelian, you know, there's a real world, <laughs> real world ties yeah. to. Uh, next note here, uh, and this kind of relates to the whole hunting dragons in Romania thing, but again, the number of real world, the number, the further demonstrations we have that the magic world and the human world are not separate, but are constantly intertwined has become really abundantly clear in this chapter. In the sense that a lot of historical figures that I know a lot about, and a lot of mythological figures I also know about, are apparently wizards. And I did not know this when I was originally reading about these people. That, you know, Agrippa, the lead general of Roctavian, (laughs) Merlin was not so much of a shock that he was a wizard, more of a shock that apparently he was a real wizard and really lived. Uh, As as was apparently Circe, she that turned Odysseus's men into pigs. And what was the other one here? One second. Uh, It was... Oh, yeah. It was... Oh, I had it for a second. It was... Uh, blank in her name, but the uh, Night Queen leader of the uh, Banshees was also apparently a real a real living uh, witch as well. Um, but also, yeah, Morgana, uh, Agrippa, Ptolemy, uh, also, oddly enough, Parcellius, the modern founder of toxicology. It's a broad list of people that are really wizards in this world that I just did not know about. I think I would have... They were, I would have, you know, gotten a little more details and a lot more out of them if I'd known that fact when I was originally researching them. Well, maybe they'll change the textbooks moving forward. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the Ministry of Magic will allow me that. Uh, so, Sarah, and as my notes freeze, are yeah. major scientists all wizards, or is that like a, you know, there's sort of a stopping point, it, like Einstein, wizard, not wizard. Ooh, I feel not, like I should not. I should do unmentioned. that. Um, <laughs> You know, just, like, find, like, lists of historical figures and have you decide whether they're a wizard or not a wizard based on, like, what you think J.K. Rowling would do. Can we also make chocolate frog cards that read, like, dating profiles for the ones we deem to be wizards? Yes, we definitely should do that. Okay, we'll add it to the list of side projects and we'll get right on that. Last one for Mm -hmm. me. Uh, Looking at Hermione Granger as a character just really reveals to me that, dear Lord, I was that kid about her age. Not as (laughs) as apparently social as she is, but that just necessary, socially awkward desire to reveal to everyone you know just how smart you are and all the information you have. Uh, And also kind of being aggressively helpful in a way that also comes across as kind of controlling. I'm just like looking at a little mirror of me at that age and just going... Oh, I wish I could talk to you. What things you do not understand about how people perceive you. But enjoying that character already. And now you get to relegate it to um, Spencer's Wikipedia spiral of the episode. (laughs) Uh, The way I write this is that I've not actually changed. It's just now I'm aware of it. And that allows me to be more pedantic, apparently. Perfect. So that that ends my newbie's notes. Uh, Sarah, what you got for us? Okay, so... I have rediscovered a book in my uh, library, and particularly my cookbook library. Um, So I am going to um, debut a new segment here that I am calling Fantastic Feasts and How to Food Them, um, where if we have some sort of food item mentioned in a chapter and I can figure out a recipe for it, I'm going to try it and test it such that um, I don't care whether you all end up actually liking these books or not, but at the end of this project, we will have a Harry Potter feast. Um, so here are my preliminary notes on uh, things that might occur. <laughs> liver jelly beans? Go on. <laughs> I, I've got to figure out how to do the liver jelly beans. I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, but so 
Spencer, you said we have this whole list of sort of candy and things that are on um, that are on the Hogwarts Express that are being sold, and mm-hmm. I have taken one from the list and I made it today. So Ooh. I um, I made pumpkin pasties today, uh, and I have one here with me. And I have a picture that I will send to you all. And we, I know the pictures and me talking about food is really great radio, but um, great for an audio format. But we will post the picture maybe somewhere. I don't really have control over any of this. Um, <laughs> send it to BJ, it's what I do. <laughs> It'll happen. happen then. I assume magic. But they are pumpkin based hand pies. Um, and they taste like a little bit like pumpkin pie but in a hand pie format, which is infinitely better because you can carry it around and it is crispier in terms of the crust. And um, they also have lightning bolt scars cut into the top of them for the steam vent, which makes me very happy as well. Um, And they're pretty good. They burnt a little bit on the edges because I didn't have any tinfoil to stop them from burning, but they're all right. And um, they taste pretty good. Based on the other candy that's on this list, all of it appears to be relatively magical, which leads to the inevitable question for me. What magic did you use, and where can I get that ingredient? <laughs> well, I used Crisco. and yeah. Oh, the mo- most magical say, of all I feel ingredients. Like that, that's a mistake, because the real magic ingredient is lard. Well, I did, that's probably true, but I used a, a mixture of Crisco and butter. Um, but, oh, the actual magical magic ingredient, though, is to um, freshly grate the nutmeg instead of you. Ah. Hmm. Very so there fancy. you go. I will say, so the, the passage that this comes from, from my book, um, is he never had any money for sweets with the Dursleys, and now that he had pockets rattling with gold and silver, he was ready to buy as many Mars bars as he could carry. Uh, but the woman didn't have Mars bars. What she did have were Birdie Bots, Every Flavor Bean, Drubal's Best Blowing Gum, Chocolate Frogs, Pumpkin Pasties, Cauldron Cakes, Licorice Wands, and a number of other strange things Harry had never seen in his life. Not wanting to miss anything, I... um, he got some of everything and paid the woman 11 silver sickles and several seven bronze nuts. Two things I love there. Uh, one, that is just a wonderful list of candy that I would also <laughs> want to buy all of to try. And two, I love how nouveau rich, uh, rich uh, Harry's being. Is that he's got some money in his pocket. His response is, okay, I can now buy all the things and I shall. Yep. And really the fact that, like, because Ron is, I mean, Ron's family is very poor. Um, and his mother has packed in these really sort of awful looking sandwiches. Um dry roast beef (laughs) and he doesn't even like roast beef um and the fact that harry can like make this small gesture like make makes harry both so happy but also like i think that this is the moment that the friendship is sort of solidified which is like also very 10 uh, 11 year old boy oh yeah i I had friendships that started you're my friend candy we we are both ill on candy perfect (laughs) well while hermione granger just every now and then pops in to judge us and then leaves (laughs) (laughs) all right uh well, uh, shall we move on to then uh, diligently questioning Sarah about all aspects of this world I and universe? I think that is that time. I am ready for okay. for any and all questions. Are you sure? About uh, that? No. Spencer, do you want to go <laughs> first? Do you have your uh, ammunition? Yeah, I got a, I got one in mind to start. Uh, one in mind to start is why is it that everyone knows physical traits about Harry? Why do they all know about the lightning bolt scar? It seems like he was smuggled out on day one. Was there some degree of reporting that got out? Or was there some ongoing pulp, you know, 
the National Enquirer was hiding in his bushes from the Wizarding World reporting on him kind of thing. I don't think we ever get a direct answer for that, but if I were going to guess, it's that Hagrid can't keep his mouth shut. Oh, that got, yeah, we, we got evidence for that one already. Yeah. Okay, that, I, I will accept and buy that. It did strike me as interesting that people not only seemed to recognize his scar, but it seemed like the, um, the uh, Weasley mom knew something about his background and where he was even being raised. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like some degree of information has been getting out and circulating about him, um, but just not clear to what scope yet. Maybe we'll find out more. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. BJ? Oh, I have, I have reams, but... I, I, <laughs> I, have no, I, I have many so, more, but I was figuring figure we'd oh, do yep, round robin We, we can uh, go back and forth. So... Um, I guess one of the things that troubled me, and we, we discussed briefly the last uh, episode, but what do wizards do? Like, what you know, we have this whole section of, um, you know, there's this schooling, and some of them then go on to postgraduate studies, like studying dragons <laughs> in Albania or something along those lines. But presumably, there are non-ministry of magic like men in black jobs because if that's sort of the only job then there's no point in having it um and then there's a very distinct hierarchy of wealth that also just seems sort of weird given my concept of how magic works in the harry potter world where you can just conjure things if you can say the right you know three letter or three words um but how does the um, day-to-day and normal living of wizards happen outside of Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, so, so, B, so BJ, you had clued me in that you sort of had this question, and I did a little bit of, kind of thinking and research about this. This is a major question on the internet, as you might, <laughs> um, as you might imagine. And so, um, you know, the question... So I think that there are kind of two two separate questions here. And one is kind of what what do wizards, witches and wizards do kind of after school, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then the other is a sort of economy question on like, how does this society function? Um, yeah. And how does it function in relation to a sort of muggle world, right? Yeah. I, and so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, but I, feel, I also feel like that's sort of intertwined because like there's you live your life after you leave school and yeah like the interplay with a muggle world like sure there's an exchange rate exchange rate and we can just sort of like wave our hands at that because mm -hmm. like some functionality has to happen but like in the wizarding world people need to like live their lives and yeah i mean it'd be fascinating to me if it's a like a communistic or socialistic society but it very clearly isn't so no, it's actually almost a little more, it's almost a little more, not quite feudal, um, but sort of on the turn towards capitalism. But we are dealing with a lot of families who have generational wealth. Mm -hmm. um, we are dealing with families who have generational wealth, who we will learn in the second book, um, have inherited and unpaid servants. Um, so, like, very, so we have... <laughs> very, very British. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very Victorian or Edwardian kind of era yes. that seem to be they're, they're stuck in. And so there are there are trades. There are um, witches and wizards who kind of work in trades. There are riches, and I can kind of talk a little bit more about what those specifics specifics are. Um, and there are some sort of like self made um, entrepreneurs that we mm -hmm. encounter as well. Um, and so you know, I think 
that based on kind of who Harry is, um, as we are following him throughout the series and what he is privy to seeing, mostly we see uh, pe- people who are teaching at the school, right? Um, people who are working for the Ministry of Magic. And mm-hmm. I would suggest that like one of the major employers for witches and wizards, at least in the UK, um, is the Ministry of Magic. Simply because, as we were talking about last last episode, their kind of raison d'etre is to stop the muggles from knowing that the wizards are there. So do they um, practice outside the mm-hmm. UK? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, well, the, I'm sorry. The Ministry of Magic. Is your question about the Ministry of Magic? Yeah, basically. Um, so the Ministry of Magic is UK-based. Um, and they work with sort of other ministries or other governmental entities. That's that's hilariously weird to me. And this is sort of like <laughs> one of the questions that I wanted to ask. And, and I'm happy to hand wave at it because it's not really important because it's a magical world and we don't need to know how this would sort of work in real life. But it's sort of like mm-hmm. if everybody's employed at the Ministry of Magic, there's no point for the Ministry of Magic. Or if like... right the large majority is employed there and everybody <laughs> yeah. else is sort of like whipping up potions so they can get wizard drunk, then... <laughs> and I would say, like, that's not... I, I would say that the Ministry of Magic is kind of just as a single employer, probably the largest employer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we do see a lot of people who are sort of working in essentially service industry jobs. Yeah. There are a lot of shops. There are a lot of sort of services that need to happen. So we get a lot of that. Um, but then we also get sort of mention of there is some at, like specifically wizard agriculture that is going on. Um, there are mentions of eel farms really at some point. Um. <laughs> yeah, right. And like people who are producing um, like ingredients for potions and things like that. So like that's part of it. Okay, that um, makes sense. I guess I'm I guess I'm I'm probably being a little bit too judgy because I do realize that like most of the or a good handful of U.S. states, the largest employer in each of those states is either, like, a health insurance company or a university. Or, like, yeah. So, like, while Um, that is the largest employer, that doesn't mean that everybody is employed there. Like, a whole bunch of other people are doing a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And the the national largest employer is, like, the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. So, comparison to the Ministry of Magic. It's one of the things where, you know, Harry's essentially in school. He's not going to meet the whole array of professions. I'm assuming in the broader wizarding world, customer service and the whatever the wizarding world of trucking are probably major employers to get everything going by. We just, you know, they're behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, Well, we do meet a bus driver at some point. So, (laughs) there's that. (laughs) Um, Everyone's got their own apparently flying device. Yeah. So, I, like, you're totally right, BJ. It does get a little hand wavy, but... It's fine. There are, there are like, some... We are given some details about it, yeah. um, but it, do, it does get wavy. Um, although, I will say, just briefly, to kind of your point that people can just conjure, conjure things, um, there is, and I don't remember where it's mentioned, but there is the sort of, like, you cannot create or destroy... You cannot actually create or destroy matter. Okay. Um... So, like, for example, when they're doing their gold galleons and their silver nuts and something like that, like, there is a mining industry. Gotcha. So um, very... Good to know that Newton's third law applies well, to magic. I was going to say alchemical, but yeah. Yeah. Spencer paints. All right. Uh, simple one for me. We can just round this down. Um, we hear early on, I think it's from Hagrid, that there are a set variety of pets that are allowed or familiars that are allowed, including owls, toads, and cats. Mm-hmm. Well, why does Ron have a rat? 
Why is that allowed? Is this a policy that has changed since rats were apparently allowed in, given that it is apparently a very old rat? Or is this a more loose policy than they were originally suggesting? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> it is never once addressed. They very explicitly told us, these are your options, you may have these. Even the very entrance letter said, these are the things you're allowed. Uh, yeah, I And Rod's I don't know. just there with a rat. Uh, to be fair, well, okay. yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I will say that I don't know that anyone really, until the third book, I don't really know that anyone knows there's a, like anyone in the powers that be knows there's a rat. It's even apparently a multi-generational rat, because this has been a pet for, you know, a couple brothers before him. So, eh, maybe, maybe it didn't come up, or maybe it's a more loose policy than they suggested, or maybe it's kind of grandfathered in. Yeah, that that might be true. Um, but keep the fact that he is a multi-generational rat, and that doesn't make a lot of sense in mind for later books. He's a professor yeah, I was going to ask sort. about that. Do familiar... <laughs> do, <laughs> do, I was going to ask, are, are like familiars magically of extended lives? Are they not really the animals they appear? Because, you know, rats don't live long. Rats don't live through ma- through several brothers. These are not, you know, the parrot you're, you, get, you get from your, grandfa- your grandparents when they die or something. It's a mystery, Spencer. <laughs> I'm writing this down on things Sarah is being coy about. Um, so I guess I'll finish up, and this isn't a question for Sarah, but more of a J.K. Rowling has never been bitten by a rat. Um, that hurts a lot. Oh, and they have really sharp, sharp teeth. They, they can chew through essentially anything. So, yeah, they're going to get through your finger and the bone underneath well, it Well, they don't quick. get through the bone. They just sort of latch onto it. But, like, if they bite your finger... Mm. It will go to the bone, like, immediately. And it's not a particularly mm-hmm. pleasant sensation. I have a scar on one of my thumbs from from just that. So so sort of the, like, it latches on and everything's fine afterwards is, I mean, yes, it's fine. It's just a wound, but, like... <laughs> we, we will work under the assumption that this is a domestic rat that merely intended to ward off rather than inflict more serious yeah, harm. I mean, also, is- it is, as we have talked about, very old. And, like, clearly Ron is shocked that it has woken up at all, yes. let alone done anything. And not of particularly yeah, got- <laughs> unusual size. Yeah. It, it, it may have a bit of been like an ancestral protection of the family kind of thing, because once Ron was under threat, that thing was on Draco mm-hmm. in a heartbeat and then immediately went back into sleep mode afterwards. So it implies a certain degree of awareness of the outside environment. Just, you know, it's old and tired. <laughs> Which I um, sympathize with. All right. So does that wrap up our sixth episode? Yeah, I think so. Um, next okay. episode mm-hmm. is going to be the Sorting Hat, which um, I guess will probably coincide with our taking of infamous uh, quizzes that we've been uh, told that we'll have to deal with. <laughs> Threatened with. <laughs> Did you did you want us to take this live on program? No, I don't think that's good radio. Go? <laughs> click, click, shit, Hufflepuff. Click, click, shit, Hufflepuff. Again, I completely changed all of my answers. That doesn't make any sense. Well, the sorting hat said, BJ. <laughs> all right, we, we will do a reasonable sample size each. We will av- is, is it the same questions each time? I, know, or is it I don't know. We, we will find out. We will get results. Uh, should we make predictions right now as to what we're going to be for next week? Uh, Sarah, I'm presuming you've taken this test like 45 times, so you've got it gamed. But yeah, yeah, I and I will take it again because it would be the, the breaking news if it changed. Um, but I, I am a Ravenclaw, to the best of my knowledge. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Spencer, you are going to be somewhere between a Ravenclaw and a Hufflepuff. I, I'm just hoping for Hufflepuff because just that logo, <laughs> the fact that they go with a badger, it just tickles me. But we'll find out. I feel like BJ. What do you think you're going to be? I feel like probably somewhere between Ravenclaw and I don't know what typifies a Gryffindor because I feel like to get into Slytherin, you have to just be like, I'm going to commit to just being an <laughs> awful asshole. Like not even like. And anything redeeming, I feel like it's kind of like um, in some of the Mass Effects when you went with a renegade option. Some of them were well written, but most of them were, I'm a dick and I'm going to punch you in the face. And that was the dialogue mm-hmm. and, and cinematic. And so I have a feeling that that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I'm wondering, I mean, it seems like I don't know enough to offer an opinion yet, but it seems like maybe self-interest has some degree of association with Slytherin, but... I don't know if I can assign any more, any more positive traits than that. Okay, so what I think you should do before you take the quiz um, is in the next chapter, there are kind of a couple of pages of setup, and then there's about a page of a song. Um, and the song sort of describes, the song describes the houses. So maybe Ooh. get to that that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then take the quiz. Perfect. Uh, Sarah, by the way, do you still have the little electronic sorting hat that you, you know, were shoving on people's heads at New Year's? Um, I do. It's in a drawer next to me. Hold on. No, well, you're taking you're taking that one live in the program to reject whatever results yes. you get. I think we definitely need to do that for. Oh God. <laughs> oh, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> the, the hat is ruled. It cannot be judged. Um, right, okay. Well, this was fun. Yep. Chapter in the bag. Right. Thanks for joining us. Till next week with Chapter Seven. Living hat. All right. Bye, y'all.